The title of my sermon today is, Every Seven Days Eat. Every Seven Days Eat. For the last 20 years, I've been giving sermons from Tennessee to Alabama to Kentucky to Florida. I've always given at least one sermon every year about the Sabbath. That is a sermon. Now, looking over all my sermons, I never gave the same one every year. So, I had to create a new one this year. It's the Vero Beach Sabbath Sermon. So, I'll have that titled from now on. Well, most of us do not need to be told to eat. Most of us, even looking around this room, I can tell you know how to eat. You don't have to be reminded, there, there's food over here. And afterwards, we won't have a bunch of people standing around going, what is that? Do we put it in our mouths? Yes, we do. Also, drinking. We don't have to be reminded, oh, wait a minute, it's Saturday. I need to drink this week. Well, water, let me put it that way. But this, some things come natural for all of us. And we can be cyclical, can't we? We like things to rotate around and, and repetition. We like some of these things. And it fits us naturally. And some things do come natural, like eating and drinking. Ask the question, are our bodies physically programmed on a timetable? Hmm. Are they? We need sleep. Usually no one has to tell us you need to go to sleep. My parents did while I was younger, because I would stay up and watch TV till way too late. I don't have that problem anymore. So, people hardly ever go. I think I went one time 48 hours without sleep. Not good. Thankfully, I was younger, and I recovered in two days of getting sleep. But we don't really have to be reminded. Is this something innate in us? Did God make our bodies that way? So that we understand there are certain things we need to do? Are we cyclical creatures? I think most of us would agree that we are. Haircut. Every four to six weeks, I have the blonde in the back cut my hair. That is blonde, right? I did check in the color. But we do because somewhere you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong, just a, a fact from my head that your hair grows a quarter to a half an inch every month or so. It depends on who you are. And so we have to get a haircut. And we know that, except for William. Also, we have to have our nails trimmed. My wife works on hers. I don't really work on mine. It's just a chop, 
job when I do mine. I don't know. Men, do we, does anybody really take a lot of time? Oh, good, I'm getting, okay, I feel, I feel my man card is strong right now. Um, I, I met a woman one time. I was young, 1920, had to deliver something that this woman had kept in our building, our warehouse for over a year. And my boss said, get rid of that, take it to her, deliver it to her. And I said, did you call her and tell her I'm coming? He said, yes. She said, no. And I'm still delivering? He said, yes. I got there. I was knocked on the door, and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm to deliver these. And she said, I told him not to deliver those. I said, but they're yours. We're either going to throw them out, or they were blinds for her windows. Our I'm either to deliver them here or take them to the dump and get rid of them. Because there was a lot. She had a decent-sized house. And so she goes, well, I don't know what I'd do with them. I said, is there somewhere I can just put them in your house, stack them up in a room? I mean, she had three or 4,000 square foot house by herself. And she said, well, I can't do it. She said, look at these. And she had fingernails that were out to here. Not like I'd seen walking out of one of these stores, but turned down. And she said, just look at these. I can't do anything with these. And he said, look at my feet. Oh, my. i never forget that. Her feet had curled up nails. No, they weren't polished. Yeah, they were. It's like, it was like... You know, here I am, 19 years old, about to be turned off women forever. <laughs> so I was like, who does that? Is this how older women act? <sighs> so I so remember that, that, okay, let me trim. And my wife will occasionally, because my nails grow very fast, and she will Occasionally go, you got claws coming on you. So I make sure that I clip my nails. But that's something in time that we do on a regular basis. It's cyclical. Hopefully we are, not like that woman. But also, there's some things that come around all the time, just like tides at the ocean. They come and they go, and they come when the full moon has an effect on the tides. Sunrise. We know when it is. And sunset. Matter of fact, you can even set your watch by it as you can go on. Because it's going to happen. Unless it's too cloudy to see. But if it's cloudy, it's still going to happen. It takes its time. It's part of nature, isn't it? God created it that way. Cycles. Young women have monthly cycles. I didn't know whether you knew it or not, but look at your hand. Look at your skin. Did you know that a new layer of skin appears every 27 days? And that you're going to lose 300,000 skin cells today. Every day, you lose 
thousand skin cells. Incredible. No wonder people wear a mask. Just thinking about that. And over five million skin cells be lost off you in the next year. We don't even think about that. Did I, does that just happen or is it by design? I think we know who the designer is. Solomon studied and was amazed at creation. He had the time, he had the money, and he could bring in all this stuff. I, I want to do a series on Solomon here, hopefully, during this year, because it's, it's, his story is just incredible and in what history has to tell us about that. But he looked at it because he could. He wanted to. He was intrigued by the creation. And he had no doubt that it was created. He didn't, it didn't enter his mind that it wasn't. And we know that we didn't evolve from some lower form of life, don't we? Deep down, I think most people do. I don't look at the iguanas that run across my yard and go, Oh, great Uncle Bill! Oh, some people think there's a lower form of life, and we came from that. They leave the Creator out of it. But yet, our Creator said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Hmm. Is our God cyclical? Wait a minute. If we're on this kind of different various cycles, we're made in His image... And we're very cyclical. Doesn't it make sense that God is cyclical? Uh, I hope I'm not blowing some of your minds today in case your mind is that way. But the earth is round. Uh, if you go to the internet, it, you have people who disagree in full videos. And millions of people who believe that it's not round. Or they'll tell you, well, it's not really round. Well, it's not really round. But it goes in circles. We're spinning, aren't we? This earth is spinning. And then wait, uh, there's a moon that circles, goes around this earth. And then we've got this earth that goes around the sun on a cycle. Early in the part of the 19th century, there was a man called Rudolf Steiner. Rudolf Steiner. He was a philosopher and an anthropologist which means he studied everything but studied mankind that's what anthropologist does they do and Steiner offered 
up a mapping of the human life cycle. No, you've ever heard this. He really said it was his creation, so I wouldn't say he probably got it from the Bible. But it is interesting how this Steiner said there are ten seven-year periods or cycles. of time in each of our lives. And that each cycle works a growth period that takes us from one level of maturity to the next. So, from zero to seven, as he stated, you learn 80% of everything you need to know. And then the next from 7 to 14, you begin to question. Why? And then from 14 to 21, there's a different level of maturity as you begin to find that no one has all the answers. And then he went into the other Cycles or periods of time showing, and I had to read it and kind of agree with it, that we do gain so much more maturity. Now, why he did it with 10 seven-year time cycles, I do not know. He just said it was his study of mankind that he put this together. David, as we know from the Bible, lived how many years? 70. His son Solomon lived how many years? 70. They both reigned the equal amount of years. 40. It is interesting that it was Moses in Psalm 90 that said, <laughs> the time of a man is 70. But if you have strength, you might make 80. So 70 has kind of been number people have kind of agreed on. People have speculated we are living in 1,000 time, 1,000 year time cycles. And that we are nearing the end of 6,000 years of time. And that then we have a thousand year millennial reign up ahead of us. That's speculated. We can't find that exact words in the Bible, but it kind of gives us enough hints and points us towards that. So go with me. Genesis 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1 and verse 26. So I really want us to think about this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he says, you'll be over all these things on the earth and in the sea. Let us make man in our image in our likeness. So we are like God in this image. 
I didn't make that up. It says it right here. So then God continues on from this point and makes man. He makes everything. Each day it describes what he made and how he created it. And then he made man on the sixth day and everything was good except man. With man, he says, very good. It's in his image. Should be very good. So, I think God was happy with what he made. Most people that make a baby, and you bring it out of the hospital, most parents are like, look at this. Isn't that sweet? Look at this. Nobody goes, ooh, I, you don't want to look at my kid. God, I think, was happy what he made. His image, and then he gets to see maturity happen in these two individuals. But then, down to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. said, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of, the earth, of them were finished. Job done. Finished. End of the week. Don't we all like Fridays? I used to. Still do. But on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. He was redundant there, but that's what what He wants us to get the point. Verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, sanctified it, because on it he rested from all the work which God had created and everything he made. So he sanctified it, set it apart. But the Hebrew word used for sanctified there is kadas. He kadased it, which means holy, kadas. So his sanctifying that day means he set it apart as holy. That's at the very start. On the seventh day of creation. Blessed and sanctified it. It's holy, the seventh day. Now, if you'll note that when Adam and Eve were here, their last name was not Cohen. Their last name was not Goldstein. There were no Jews on the earth. They weren't Jews. For those who think only the Jews are to keep the seventh day holy. Jews didn't come along for another 2,500 years. But God still had the Sabbath holy. Go with me to Mark 2. Mark 2, Christ Christ is trying to be chastised by the religious leaders of his day. And he needed to explain something to them. And he needed it to be brought down and explained to us today. Genesis 22 and verse 27. Because they didn't like something that he did, that his men did. Thought they sinned, thought they broke the Sabbath. Verse 27, 
And he said to them, the definite article, not a definite article, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So, pretty important. Because here he is, now, no longer in a Jewish culture, even though he was in the area of the Jews, their culture no, no longer reigned over the world, like God had hoped. But they lived in a Gentile world. They were just allowed to do what they wanted to do for however long the, the Romans told them they could do it. They didn't have real control. But it's interesting that the translation in Greek for the Sabbath was made for man. Here was Jesus' chance to go. The Sabbath was made for Jews, but He didn't. The word is anthropos. Anthropos in Greek. Anthropos means mankind. The Sabbath was made for mankind takes you all the way back to at the beginning why he made it so that he rested not because he was tired but he rested to set an example for his creation and to remind them every seventh day you're going to meet with me you're going to rest uh, go with me to Colossians 1 I don't usually jump that many many places in the Bible, but I think it's important today. Colossians 1, verse 16. Talking about Christ here. Verse 16. It says, For by Him all things were created that are in the heavens and that are on the earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power." All things were created through Him and for Him. Verse 17. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Talking about Jesus. So, what do we know? He made everything. He created everything. He was the Creator. By Him, through Him, for Him. Doesn't that mean the Sabbath? He created everything. Things you can see and things you can't see. Well, guess what? He created the Sabbath. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Because He was the Word. He spoke it. He spoke things and it happened. Well, He created the Sabbath and it happened. So go back with me to Mark 2. Mark 2 point I'm getting to today. Watch. Mark 2 and verse 28 as we finish this little section here. And he says, Therefore, since he just said that Sabbath was made for man, not man. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Is that, could that be any more clear? He's Lord of the Sabbath. He's over the Sabbath. We saw that He created the Sabbath. The Sabbath is His. He is Lord. Lord also can mean ruler. Lord of the Sabbath. He's over it. 
So, if Christ is Lord of the Sabbath, the seventh day, who is Lord of Sunday? The first day of the week. Okay. Anybody else? Huh? You guys blame everything on Satan. The poor guy gets picked on all the time. Ah. Well, I'm going to give you today, in their own words, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. On March the 7th, 321 A.C.E. The Roman Emperor Constantine I issued a civil decree making Sunday a day of rest from laboring people. As a matter of fact, the words actually say all judges and city people and craftsmen shall rest upon the venerable day of the sun. 321. Now, four years later, 321 A.C.E., after the Common Era. March, and then we have 325. 325, there was a council. Council of Nicaea. It's where all the religious people that were in control of the Roman Empire and everything met to get some religious stuff worked out. You can read it. You can look it up. It's a story in itself. And Pope Sylvester, because you had Constantine was the emperor, and then you had the Pope. Pope Sylvester. You know, I've been through a few popes, never heard one named Sylvester. We used to have a guy named Sylvester, we'd call him Cy, so I wonder if it's Pope Cy. Hey, how's Pope Cy doing? Pope Sylvester officially named Sunday in 325, the Council of Nicaea, the Lord's Day. He officially named Sunday the Lord's Day. You may see it in the book of Revelation on the Lord's Day. But this is where it, Sunday became officially the Lord's Day. Till 338. 338. I give you these three dates. Because there is a, an incredible writer. He was not only a bishop, but he was a historian and a writer. If you have not read his work... It can be tedious, but worthwhile if you're into. The title of it is Ecclesiastical History. Or History of the Ecclesiastical Works. He was a writer. He also worked for Constantine. And he kept records of everything. And so he wrote this history. We call it the history of the church of what happened from uh, the disciples' death all the way up to this time, 338, and how everything came about from Clement to Origen and 
everybody that they call the church fathers. And he wrote all this history. You can read it. But I want to tell you in 338, because in one year before this time, in 337, Emperor Constantine was baptized. Just before he died. He was sick. And so he needed to be baptized. Even though it was said that he was the father of Christianity and he, he was the emperor that allowed it. And you'll have to read that for yourself. But it's so interesting because Eusebius in his writings said that he baptized Constantine just before he died. Yet Pope Sylvester said he did. So maybe they're both right and they were both there. I don't know. But in 338, Eusebius wrote this. Officially. With the power. He wrote, All things whatsoever that it was the duty to do on the Sabbath, seventh day. We, Constantine, Eusebius, and all the other bishops, have transferred to the Lord's day. So, there you see how Sunday became the Lord's day, the day of worship. With the full power of the religion and full power of the throne in Rome. If you follow the chain of evidence, which if you're in police work, you always do. There's a chain of evidence that starts here, goes here, and leads you all the way to where you can finally understand. Well, I want us to understand. Most of you do. But did you know that's where the Lord's day became? Did you know the time? Did you know? I could give a whole sermon breaking that down, but then that just can confuse you. So I want to just give you the time. If you want to go look it up, look it up. I just saved you time. But the Sabbath was taken out of the picture by the Catholic Church as it began to grow. And Sunday was the day. And anyone that didn't keep it was a heretic. And in, even in, ended in death for many people. And those keeping the Sabbath kind of had to go underground because the Roman Catholic Church decided this was, this was their way. To save your soul from burning in hell. So we go through a thousand years. And we come to a time in the early 1500s when Martin Luther started the Reformation. Reformation. 
started questioning the church. No one had done that before. Others had tried and others had died. And so Martin Luther started this thing. And I think it's in the 1540s he actually died then. But people carried on his work. And the Catholic Church was very concerned because it was like a storm had started and they couldn't stop it. They couldn't kill people fast enough. And then certain providence in, in Europe claimed you have no power over here. And so people would run over there and run over there as they were looking at the Reformation. And so in the late 14, uh, 1540s, right after Martin Luther had died, they decided we need to get a bunch of bishops together. And we need to see what we can do here. And so they had a six or seven year meeting. That's a long meeting. They bring, brought in food to them. They were not even supposed to leave certain areas, kind of like when you did the Pope thing. They just didn't leave. You were to stay in there, and they brought you food. Well, here, they wanted to, we, we got to put a stop to this. This is crazy. We're going to lose all this money, power, prestige. People are going to question everything. He's trying to stop indulgences. Well, they made a lot of money off indulgences. In case you didn't know what indulgence is, look it up. Take you right back there. So, they convened the Council of Trent. And they published the Catechism, which is the doctrine, the order, from this year's study. And it was called the Council of Trent. And they published this. They published it in 1566, right about the time that we were beginning to get the Bible was coming out. <sighs> ah, 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 we got to stop something. So they published this, and this is their statement on page 402, published in 1566. Think of the dates. The Church of God, that's what they said they were, the Church of God has thought it well to transfer the celebration and observance of Sabbath to Sunday. End of statement. No argument. There it is. They did it officially a thousand years, 1,200 years later. To make sure that people have it now. And they still go by this very Council of Trent today. So, I look at my watch. With that bit of history, let's go back to Exodus 20. Exodus 20, where you know the Ten Commandments exist. Well, they were spoken. They were not written here. They weren't written until later. But Moses stood there and gave that to all these people. But in Exodus 20 and verse 8, how long from creation was this? 3,000 years. 
verse 20, uh, chapter 20 and verse 20. He said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your maiden manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Pretty clear. Except let's look why he would do this. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and cadast it, made it holy, hallowed it, made it holy. Look, he goes back 2,500 to 3,000 years to where it all started to remind these people that he made it holy. And there were some Jews there. But there were more non-Jews than there were Jews there. So he told them, keep it holy. Judah, Jews came from the tribe of Judah. One of the twelve tribes there. So he takes us all the way back to creation. Oh, those people back. Because God created, designed a seven-day cycle for rest and to nourishment. He wants us to be nourished on the seventh day. A seventh day is set aside to rest and to eat spiritual food every seven days. Now, we know what that spiritual food is. It comes from here, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? That proceeds from what? Where's the mouth of God? God breathed. Right? So, you may not eat for six days from this. Are you commanded to eat from this book every day? Nope. There's no command that says, Thou shalt read the Bible every day. It's not in here. Is it suggested? Uh-huh. It is suggested. So, but God knew that we as humans made in His image, had some weaknesses. He also knew that for thousands of years, there, was no going to be no, there wasn't any Bible. There is, no, there is no Word of God they could read. Thousands and thousands of years. How did they get it? They were fed each and every Sabbath. We need to be fed. Each and every Sabbath day. A cycle that God created. No one else created this. No one else could create it. No one else could, can make any day holy. But Jesus Christ. And He made the Sabbath holy. They call 
the time today at No Technology Sabbath. It's where you're supposed to turn off all technology. Well, they couldn't see us if we did. Um, I listen to sermons on the Sabbath. Many of you do. But I'm not talking about that. But it's about other stuff that we can see and look and read and enjoy or not enjoy six other days. Because he said six other days, you can do, you know, do all your work, do all your play, whatever you're going to do. That's, that's your time. But on the seventh day, I like to say, he says, you're mine. You're mine. I get to spend time with you. And you get to spend time with me. And we've set aside this special time because you're holy. I'm holy. And so, I'm holy, you're holy, because I made you holy. Then we get to meet up on a day that is holy. That's the power of the Sabbath day. We come to church on the Sabbath. The Bible calls it a holy convocation. Assembly, call everybody forward. I always think it's interesting because uh, we can't invite God to keep the Sabbath with us. I sometimes hear somebody say in a prayer, uh, God, we ask that you'll be here, presence, your presence will be here. That's impossible. He's already here. This is His day. Wherever two or more together in my name... I'm going to be there. So two or three gather right here. Guess what? He knows where he needs to be. Because that's his family. They're the only ones that keep this day holy. And he welcomes us to his holy convocation, his gathering, each week on a seven-day cycle. Same day. Every seven days. And he knows it's good for us. But you know what? I think it's good for him. He's lived for eternity. He lived for billions of years before there was time. But now he gets to step in with his creation where there is a certain time. A time that he put there. Time that he arranged. A time that he has allowed to meet with us. So... As I wrap this up, i got a couple of scriptures to go to here. I'd like you to go with me to Hebrews, because we all need to know about this Sabbath day. And in Hebrews 12, he says something that is in no other place in the Bible. He's addressing whoever the writer is. Some say it is Paul. I have been reading and talking various things with people that it could be a possibility it was Barnabas. There's great debate there that I'd never really had. I always thought it sounded like Paul, so it was probably Paul. But whoever wrote this, wrote it to the Hebrews, the Jews. And with them, everything was looked back towards where? Moses and Mount Sinai. Moses, Mount Sinai. 
Moses, Mount Sinai. God says, I want you to stop that. And he says it right here. He said, no longer going to, the, to a burnt mountain. But then he says in Hebrews 12 and verse 22, But you, my people, my holy people, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. We're not. This is a Sabbath. This is we come to worship. God is there, up there now, with His angels. And innumerable, we don't know, billions of angels come together to worship on this time with God. With us. That's how big it is. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living, to heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, or, as the margin says, festo gathering. Why? Because anyone of any spiritual relevance in the God realm is going to be there. How about you? See why it's so important? Is that God can do anything He wants, Anytime he wants, and yet he chooses for all the angels, for Christ to be there at his throne during this time, and says, stop. It's time to worship. With your family. And to the angels, your future bosses. Hmm. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful statement. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Oh, you're, you are. I mean, who's, who's the head of this church? It's sure not Rick Shaby. And it's sure not Chuck Smith. Otherwise, why is, my wife wouldn't be sitting here if it was. It's Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. We have to realize. So we're in part of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. How, how are you registered in heaven? Do you know? It mentions it at least seven times and it's referenced ten times. Your names. The book of what? It's not the book of death. It's the book of life. It's the book of eternal life. We're registered. That's us. That's us right there in Scripture. Who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. He's making us perfect. Some of us are far from that yet, but he's in the process. It's still working. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Man needs spiritual food Every seven days. They just don't know it. But we have no excuse. We know it. We know it. We can feel it. If you've ever had a bad week and didn't really keep the Sabbath as it should be kept, you know it. Don't you? Maybe you thought you kept it, but then you know you didn't. You know it. Why? And he just tells us, wake up! There's another one coming. Yes, just like my father. Yeah, Chuck, 
you messed up. You screwed up this week. So let's go to work. Let's get it right. This is what God. Do we want to come to eat? That is the question. Do we want to eat? I hope you do. Because that's God's plan. It's interesting that God even told the, the land to rest, didn't He? It doesn't know anything. But God says, I want you to rest. Every seven years, you're going to rest. And you know what it does when it rests? Because we used to rest our farm. I don't know if you guys did or, or any of the others, but we used to rest and didn't raise anything on that on certain areas there. And it got to grow. It got to grow and grow. What do we do? If we feed every seven days, we grow spiritually, don't we? Yeah, it's cyclical. So I want to bring last scripture. If you'll go with me, I'll look at my clock. I'm, I think I've got enough time to finish this up. Go with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 20. Uh, lots you could read in Ezekiel 20. If you have time this afternoon, read Ezekiel 20. It's just so powerful. I could go through it. I've read it dozens of times. and I just, But I want to just read this certain thing to you here. Because it's all through there. E- Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. Moreover. This is, he's talking to Ezekiel. Uh, most of, of the Jews from Jerusalem were taken captive. They're in Babylon. There's still some there because Ezekiel's a street preacher. And, and he's trying to do things in Babylon. And God's revealing this stuff. But he shows him what's going on back there. And it's just a big mess back in Jerusalem. So he said, I'm going to destroy this thing. But he tells him here. Moreover, I also gave them, who? Nation of Israel. Not just the Jews, he gave it to Israel too. I gave it. My Sabbath to be a sign between me and them. That they may know that I am the Lord who cadessed them. Made them holy. That carries a certain gravitas with it. When you're holy to God, He expects you to carry that banner proudly. In a good way. Yet, the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgment, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Then I said, I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. And he did. He poured out his fury. Now, why do I bring that up? Because this happened 500 years before Christ came on the scene. And so here we have from the very beginning, where he, with Adam and Eve, uh, where he made the Sabbath, he brought it forward and gave it to Abraham, as it's said in, in Genesis 25, I think. And then he gave it to these people who had it for thousands of years. And then, 500 years before, Christ shows up on the scene. Boom! They didn't, give it, they didn't care anything about it. And so God wiped them out. And took 
them prisoners enough for them to come back 70 years later. Kept them prisoners for 70 years and then put them on the earth. And so then when Christ shows up about 400 years later, uh, Christ is keeping the Sabbath. And the nation is keeping the Sabbath. And he was trying to instruct them on the proper way to do it. And so then, why? Why do, we, why do people think you don't need to keep the Sabbath today? So, wait a minute. He poured out his fury. He actually took a guy that picked up sticks and he had him kill him. Because he picked up sticks on the Sabbath as an example. And I can guarantee you nobody even looked at a stick after that day on the Sabbath. Like, no, that snake, it may be a snake of me, I'm not touching it. But why? Why would he do this? So God is going to have to say after 4,000 years and after Christ was hung up on that piece of wood, according to other experts, then God is saying, my bad guys, my bad, please, time out. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. Does that sound rational? No. I'm changing the day. Oh, but wait a minute. There's Isaiah 66 that says in the kingdom, the Sabbath will be kept every week. So wait a minute. Okay, a timeout. Okay, so we're going to keep the Sabbath for 4,000 years. Okay, then Christ came along. He's hung on this piece of wood. And so then we can stop keeping it for 2,000 years, and then I'm going to institute it in for 1,000 years. That's what people want us to believe. Because that's what the Bible says. But that's not our God. That's, that's not a cycle. So, as I wrap this up, could Christ have changed the Sabbath to another day? Could he have changed it to Sunday? What? Right. But, could he have changed it? Did he have the power to change it? Absolutely. He was the Lord of the Sabbath. He was the only one that had the power to change it. He created it. He made it holy. Only he could change it. And he, in his 33 years here on earth, didn't change it. He was resurrected, had 40 days to tell his disciples, change it. They didn't do it. And Paul is keeping it, and John's keeping it up into the 80s and 90s. 50 years after Christ was killed. Christ was the only one that could change it, and he did not do it. Why wait? Why wait if it was going to be changed 294 years later to tell the church by a pagan emperor, by his own account, Constantine, the emperor, to change the day? It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. Brethren, this is meat to chew on. Why we keep this day. 
why God is cyclical. And because He is, we are. And we're going to meet here every Sabbath. We're going to come together as His people. To have spiritual nutrition. Because we are to eat every seven days. Why? Everything I read in this book, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Keep eating every seven days.